Back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 61 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. The Rangers, of course, coming off of a really tough gut punch loss against the Columbus Blue Jackets last night, 2-1 at Madison Square Garden. And I really can't believe, after watching that game, I can't believe that I'm sitting here talking about a loss because I thought the Rangers played great in this game. Uh, they were sound defensively. They got another big-time performance from Igor Shosturkin. He's now had three great games in as many opportunities since he's been called up from the minors. He stopped 29 of 31 shots in this game. The Rangers stayed out of the penalty box. We know taking penalties has been something of an issue all season, but they played a clean game in this one. And if you would have told me that all those things were going to happen, then I would not have believed for a second the Rangers would have lost this game. But you do have to give some credit to the Blue Jackets as well. I I thought they played a a great defensive game, and their goalie making his debut, uh, Matisse Kivlenix, I believe is how you say it, and he was fantastic, I thought. I thought maybe he was the best player on the ice, certainly for the Blue Jackets, maybe for either team, and the Blue Jackets now winners of five in a row. It's a team that was kind of gutted after the offseason, but they've they've found a way to remain competitive, and they actually are the top wild card right now. If the season were to end now, they would be the top wild card. And it's tough because, you know, the Rangers, they had pretty much a game-long lead. You know, Brady Shea scores late in the first period there, and we're getting to right around 14 minutes or so to play, and then Oliver Bjorkstrand strikes twice for the Blue Jackets in the third period, including the game winner with just 27 seconds left to play. And it's a tough loss even before you look at the standings because you look at the standings and you realize that the Jackets now have 60 points, the Rangers have 50, and right behind the Blue Jackets are the Carolina Hurricanes with 59 points. So the Rangers, just like that, you know, you lose one game and it feels like you just drop a mile in the standings. If they had won this one, you know, they really could have made up some ground there. But unfortunately, not meant to be, and it was definitely a costly loss for the Blue Shirts. And if you're a Ranger fan, it's really tough that this game didn't at least get into overtime because you go to overtime, you got the three-on-three. Rangers obviously have some very skilled players, some guys that are are very uh, equipped to play three-on-three hockey. You know, guys like Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad, Tony D'Angelo. These are guys who operate well with a lot of ice space. So you kind of like your chances. I mean, the three-on-three is always a little bit of a coin toss, but... I think the Rangers are probably as well suited for the three-on-three overtime as just about any other team, really, when you look at it. And it's just so unfortunate to give up that goal late in regulation, because at least if you get to the overtime, you know you're going to leave with at least one point, and you've got a chance for a second. But unfortunately, in one fell swoop, that shot by Bjorkstrand, everything changed. And just like that, the Rangers lose this game in regulation. So they play a great game, but at least standings-wise, they come out of it without anything to show for it. And we're going to get to the game details in just a second here, but there are a couple of things I just wanted to talk about, sort of like a little bit of a catch-up episode here. First of all, Ryan Lindgren fined for his hit against Jordan Eberle in the Rangers' most recent contest against the New York Islanders. Lindgren was docked $2,486.56. How they arrived at that number, I have no idea, although I think I might have seen that that's the maximum allowed for a hit such as this, an illegal hit. But again, how did they arrive at that number? How did the league and the players' union come to the agreement that that would be the maximum allowed. Uh, You know, it could be $2,486, but let's put that 56 cents in there as well. 
But either way, Lindgren has to be careful because this is two questionable hits kind of recently. The first one was against Jonas Donskoy, and, you know, a lot of people were calling for Lindgren's head on that one. I thought that was a good call by the league not to find him on that one. It was just borderline, and it was one of those hits where I think you have to give the player the benefit of the doubt, but he does not get the benefit of the doubt on this one. And I'm not sure if maybe the questionable hit against Donskoy had something to do with Lindgren now getting fined for this hit against Eberly, just because the league didn't want to let it slide twice with the same player. You know, it's kind of 50-50 both times, fine or no fine. So I think it wouldn't have been a good look for the league to not give Lindgren a punishment this time around. And what happened on the play, it was interesting because there was a scramble in front of the Ranger net. It was tied 1-1 to at the time. It's a tight, low-scoring defensive game. It's Rangers Islanders. It's very physical out there. And Eberly is in the crease, and the puck seems to be moving toward him, and Lindgren has to scramble back to get into position, and he just shoves Everly from behind, kind of a cross-check, and Everly went down, and not only did he fall down, but his face basically bounced off the side of the post, and so that was an unfortunate uh, situation for Everly there, obviously a rough landing. Now, Lindgren did get a penalty for that, a two-minute minor, and I think that that was definitely warranted, though I would stop short of calling this a dirty hit against Ryan Lindgren just because I think it was a situation where he thought the Islanders were about to score and he was willing to do anything to stop it from happening, including taking a penalty. He might have cross-checked him there knowing full well, okay, I'm taking a penalty here, but I'm breaking up a scoring opportunity, and that's the type of penalty that you can at least live with if you're a Ranger fan. But I think also the fact that Eberly had such a rough landing. You know, I really don't think that when Lindgren went in there to deliver the hit that he was thinking in his head, oh, I'm going to smash his face off the side of the post here. I really don't think that was going through Lindgren's head. Like I said, I think he just delivered a, a big-time vicious hit there just to try to break up the scoring opportunity because the Islanders were really going to have a great chance there. And, you know, that's an interesting question too. Like, did the league, when they delivered this punishment, are they taking into account Eberly's landing? And should they or should they not do that? And I don't know what the correct answer there is. But I wonder if Lindgren, you know, maybe if Eberly's face doesn't hit the side of the post as it did, maybe Lindgren escapes punishment here. Because again, I really don't think Lindgren was looking to drive this guy, this guy's face into the side of the post. And that's just unfortunately the way it happened. I think Lindgren was doing whatever it took to prevent a scoring opportunity and was rightly assessed a penalty, but then also assessed a fine. And like I said, I can't go crazy about this fine either because the last time there was a 50-50 kind of fine or no fine play against Lindgren, he escaped punishment. So I think this time around, the league probably felt that they had to step in and do something. And, and that's what they did. Uh, he gets the fine and everybody moves on. Something else that I think I mentioned briefly when it happened, but I thought we'd dive into it in a little bit more detail today, is that Liber Hayek has been assigned to the AHL. Now, he was injured, and he came back in just one game. That was the January 11th game for the Rangers against the St. Louis Blues, and since then, he's been in the minors. And I think the reason for that—well, a couple of things. First of all, I think he came back straight to the Rangers because Stahl was dealing with a minor injury at the time, and Ryan Lindgren was also banged up. So I think they just felt like, you know, they needed a healthy body out there, and it made sense to throw Liber Hayek out there and get him a game, and that's what they did. But since then, you know, Stahl and Lindgren are both fine, and I think all six of the Ranger defensemen who are currently in the lineup— have played fairly well recently. You know, I don't think there's really a weak link among them, at least not right now. And with Liber Hayek, rather than have him sit in the press box, he's just 21 years old, so rather than sit, have him just sit around and watch the game from up high, put him back in the minors, let him skate, let him kind of get reacclimated to hockey, because he missed some time with that knee injury, and it's it's a good thing to get him a little bit more seasoning in the minors. I doubt we've seen the last of Liber Hayek this season. I get the feeling that, you know, if anybody starts to slide or there's an injury, he could be the, the one called back up 
to the Rangers. Uh, like a lot of the Ranger defensemen, I thought he was a little bit up and down earlier in the season when he was healthy. But for right now, I think this is the smart thing to do. Let him continue to play hockey because I don't think it does him any favors if he's sitting around in the press box. And now you could have him you know, as the healthy scratch on certain nights and kind of do a rotation. You know, maybe there's a night where, I don't know, maybe Stahl is the healthy scratch. But again, I really don't think any Ranger defenseman has played that poorly recently, so I don't want to pull any of them off the ice for no good reason. And so I think the best thing to do right now, Liber Hayek, like we said, still a very young player, still can develop in the AHL, and he might be the next man called if and when the Rangers need help at the blue line. But for now, I think that's the smart thing to do. Leave Liber Hayek in the minors and let him continue to play hockey because I think he's better off playing in the minors than watching in the press box in the NHL. And one other quick thing I wanted to talk about here is the Rangers goalie usage. Again, it's a very tricky situation with the three goalies right now. And you guys know if you've been listening to the last few episodes, I'm very pro Shesterkin. I think you got to get him on the ice. I think you have to let him continue to develop. This is not a guy who's used to sitting around and watching games from the press box. And I know Georgiev has been great lately, and I believe he will be back out there on Tuesday against the Islanders because, like we said, he's killed them. But with Shesterkin, I think he needs to play. And he, again, was great in this game, made a lot of really nice saves uh, throughout this contest, really, held the Blue Jackets in check, and really did everything he could to give the Rangers a chance to win the game. And unfortunately, like we said, it was a, it was a really tough defensive battle. And the Rangers just come out on the short end of the stick. But I was thinking about this over the weekend, and maybe in a roundabout way, the fact that the Rangers are not playing Shesterkin all that often, and they're letting him sit in the press box and watch some of these games, maybe in a roundabout way, that's a vote of confidence in Shesterkin because they think he can handle it. You know, he's a young player, he's a young goalie, he's just now three games into his NHL tenure, he's 24 years old, and they feel like they can have him sit around and not necessarily play, but then just throw him out there and still expect him to do great things. Again, I don't know that that's the best recipe for success when you're dealing with a guy who is very accustomed to being on the ice and playing all the games. But hey, you know, the Rangers, they have a lot of confidence in this kid. It's a traffic that they have felt very good about for a long time. And it's very possible that they feel like he's up to any challenge and that no matter how often they use him or how infrequently they use him, when they put him out there between the pipes, that they're going to get a good performance from Igor Shesterkin. So again, it's a fascinating situation to keep track of. We'll see if the Rangers strike a deal. You know, they have the all-star break coming up. I would expect that it would probably be Georgiev to be back out there against the Islanders. Like we said, he's the Islander killer. He's been fantastic against them early in his career. He won the two games last week against the Islanders. And if you are going to move one of these goalies, it probably is going to be Georgiev because I remain skeptical that Henrik Lundqvist will waive his no-move clause. So I think if somebody gets traded, it'll probably be Georgiev. And why not have him back out on the ice against a team that he typically dominates and just kind of boost his trade value? Hearing that the Maple Leafs might be interested, you know, we'll see what they might want to give up. I know the Rangers at least have some interest in Kapanen. Right now, though, it's all rumor. There's nothing concrete. It's just, you know, we're all just trying to put the pieces together and, and try to figure out where Georgiev might head and what the Rangers might be able to fetch in return for him. And again, you know, this three-headed goalie situation, very intriguing storyline to keep track of moving forward. And then the other big news, the other big thing that we got to talk about, Brennan Lemieux making his return to the lineup. Always great to see him on the ice. This is his first game back since December 27th. He's been dealing with an injury, and Michael Haley is a healthy scratch to make room for Brennan Lemieux. They started Lemieux on the fourth line to begin this game, which I'm cool with because I think it's a good way to kind of get him reacclimated. I don't know that the Rangers want to throw him out there for a ton of ice time in his first game back, although they kind of ended up doing that because toward the end of the game, Lemieux and Buchnevich kind of flip-flop spots as far as where they were on the depth chart and who they were playing with. 
And it was also revealed that Buchnevich is dealing with the flu, so that likely had something to do with it. David Quinn talked about that after the game. That had something to do with the, the flip-flop of those two players. Lemieux ends up logging 13 minutes and 49 seconds of ice time. He delivers four hits. That was a team high for the Rangers. And kind of just looking like himself. You know, there was a play early in the first period where the puck was behind the Blue Jackets net and a player on the Blue Jackets had it and Lemieux went in there and delivered a hit. Not like a vicious bone jarring hit that you're going to see on highlights all over the place, but just one of those plays. I'm sure for Brandon Lemieux, it had to feel good. You know, he's been dying to get back in there and just mix it up with everybody again, like he's been known to do. And just to kind of deliver that first hit, I'm sure he kind of felt like, okay, I'm back. I'm back into the game now. I made a play. Uh, let's get this thing rolling again. And, you know, Lemieux, we'll see how they handle it going forward. You know, it's possible that even with this performance that he had here, maybe Lemieux creeps his way back into a top six or top nine position going forward. And it'll also be interesting to see how the Rangers handle the healthy scratches on Tuesday against the Islanders, because I would think you might want to get Michael Haley out there, because again, it's Rangers-Islanders. There could be trouble. There probably will be trouble, at least to some extent. And if somebody's going to drop the gloves, you want that to be Michael Haley. That's what he's here for. And so, I mean, I can't imagine for a second that Brennan Lemieux would be a scratch after coming back. I mean, he did nothing to warrant not playing on Tuesday. Maybe if Buchnevich still isn't feeling well, he'll be the odd man out. Maybe they'll scratch him. Or maybe it'll be Greg McKeg, you know, just to make room for Michael Haley on that fourth line. We'll see how they handle it. You know, they got some options. And But again, I, I would be surprised if Haley wasn't on the ice because it's Rangers-Islanders and never know when there could be some trouble. So just to dive into this game a little bit, we'll start with the first period and really kind of a bit of a stalemate here. You know, not a ton of early scoring opportunities, a little bit of a feeling out process, but both goalies, when they were tested, made some nice saves. Shesterkin very early in this game against Nyquist in deep. Nyquist took a backhand shot from the doorstep and Shesterkin reached down into his left, snagged it, held for a stoppage. And then D'Angelo made a really long pass to Brett Howden near the blue line. The Columbus defenseman kind of gambled and lost. He went for the intercept, but the pass got to Howden. Howden went in on the left wing, and unfortunately, Kiv Lennox makes the stop. And I will say there were a couple times early in this game here where I thought maybe the Rangers passed when they should have shot. There were a couple of times, at least once or twice, where Panarin was really in some prime real estate, and you know you always want him to shoot because he's, he's just lethal. But there was one where he tried to make a cross-ice pass to Ryan Stroman, kind of misfired there. And, you know, it's it's one of those things. I think the Rangers have done a better job with this recently where they are taking more shots and when in doubt, just kind of putting the puck at the net because that was an epidemic early in the season where the Rangers just would not shoot the puck unless they had just an absolutely perfect golden scoring opportunity. That's what it felt like. But I thought that kind of reared its head a little bit in the first period. Not flagrantly, but there were a couple of times here, maybe two or three times in the first period where I thought the Rangers really should have let it rip and they opted to pass instead. But the Rangers break through here late in the first period. Brady Shea goes off for a high-sticking penalty, and this turned out to be the only penalty in the game against either team, so that was really something. And the Rangers catch a little bit of a break here because a player on the Blue Jackets is trying to make a pass. He breaks his stick. The puck goes right to Jacob Truba, and that also just happened to be when the penalty to Brady Shea was expiring. So Truba has the puck, and he sends a really long pass. He tries to hit Brady Shea in stride. He just misses him, put it a little bit too far in front of him. But the puck bounces off of the boards behind the Blue Jackets net, comes right back out to Shea, and Shea just immediately shoots and scores. He kind of he went far side, a little bit toward the top shelf, and scores, and just like that, one nothing. So Brady Shea, you know, with the high-sticking penalty, but he makes up for it here, converting it on an opportunity. A rare chance for Brady Shea to be one-on-one -on -one with the goalie. I mean, that just doesn't happen very often for defensemen, and he converts. So 
big time credit to Brady Shea for, for coming through here. Again, this is a tight defensive game. You're already getting the feeling that it's going to be kind of low scoring and that when you get scoring chances like this, you're going to have to convert because they're going to be hard to come by. And Brady Shea indeed does convert here. Rangers go up one nothing, and that's the score heading into the first intermission. Then we go to the second period, and I thought that this was probably Shesterkin's best period of the night. He made a great early sliding save to his left against Nick Felino. The Blue Jackets went in two-on-one. It was kind of weird how they did it because they were kind of like one player was positioned in front of the other. But regardless, they end up getting a nice scoring opportunity out of it. A cross-ice pass there to Nick Felino. Nick Felino's in deep, but Shesterkin, like we said, moves hard to his left, slides over, and sticks out his left pad to make a great save there. And he follows it up with a great poke check as well because the puck was still laying there and anybody could have come up and maybe tried to clean up the rebound there for the Blue Jackets, but Shesterkin got it out of harm's way. And then another opportunity, Dubois moves in. He's kind of one-on-one with Brady Shea. They're battling for position, but Dubois gets in behind him just a little bit and Shesterkin, again, makes a really nice save there and keeps the shutout intact for the time being. Then the Rangers start to get back on track a little bit and they create about three scoring opportunities and give or take about three minutes there. And... Truba, you know, passes to McKaig, passes to Brennan Smith down low, and Kip Lennox makes a great point-blank save to Rob Brennan Smith. Would have been nice to see Brennan Smith get one. It's always nice to see those fourth liners come through on the score sheet because they're not really out there to score goals more often than not. You know, they're out there to throw their weight around a little bit, establish a physical tone for the game. Brennan Smith had a great chance there, but just a great save by Kip Lennox. Again, he did not look like a goalie that was making his NHL debut. He looked pretty cool, calm, and collected out there. And like we said, probably the biggest reason why the Blue Jackets won this game because... There were a couple chances here, rapid fire, where the Rangers very easily could have taken a 2-0 lead. And in a game like this, I mean, that feels more like 4-0 because, like we said, it was very tight defensively. Scoring opportunities were hard to come by. And then the Blue Jackets are trying to skate the puck out of their own zone, and Panarin steals it away, passes in deep to Tony D'Angelo, and we know how dangerous he's been from in deep this season. He's right there on the doorstep, but again, Kiplenix, another great point-blank save. Uh, tough one. You know, it's it's it would have been big to get up by two goals there. I think if the Rangers score there, they're probably well on their way to a victory. You never know. I mean, it's just two goals. But the way this game was going, I, again, I think the Rangers overall had the better of play in this game. And if they find a way to score there and go up 2 nothing, you're feeling very good about their chances going forward. And Jacob Truba, I thought, had a strong defensive game for the Rangers in this one. I know he was on the ice for the game winner. And, you know, maybe him and Brady Shea could have been a little bit more aggressive on that play. But overall, Truba broke up a couple of scoring opportunities by either putting his body on somebody or just by breaking up a pass. And he did that once or twice here in the second period. So a strong game for Truba here, you know, playing well in front of the rookie goaltender. So we go to the last two minutes and 30 seconds of the second period here. The Rangers are really back on their heels. The Jackets are moving the puck all over the place. The Rangers just cannot get a play stoppage. They can't clear the puck. They're really just kind of trying to hang in there. And they do. You know, that's the thing. Because earlier in the season, when the Rangers were caught in a position like this, I think it was there was a pretty good chance that the Rangers were going to give up a goal. You know, once a team starts buzzing, the Rangers have a hard time kind of putting pressure on the puck. But I thought here they did great. They kept everything to the outside, to the perimeter. Like I said, they were back for about two minutes here. Really, really under fire here. Although the Blue Jackets didn't really put the puck on net and the Rangers did an excellent job keeping the puck on their perimeter. So I think that kind of shows you the maturation of this team and that they've responded to good coaching. They just kind of hung in there. Again, they couldn't get control of the puck, but... They also limited the scoring chances. So basically, the Blue Jackets had the puck in the Rangers' zone for about two minutes, but couldn't really do anything with it. You know, there wasn't really a moment there where it looked like they were going to score, and the Rangers eventually do get the clear, and they hang on to end the second period still up one to nothing. 
So we go to the third period, and here's a great stat for you. The Rangers are 16-0-2 when taking a lead into the third period this season. Now, obviously, that changed in this one, but still, that shows a sign of, you know, a team that is at its best when it needs to be at its best. Again, last night notwithstanding, but we'll give them a break. You know, we are well past the midway point of the season, and this is their first regulation loss when taking a lead into the third period. So give the Rangers a lot of credit there. Again, a very young team, but a team that seems to have the clutch gene at least a little bit when you consider that they've been that good when they have the lead in the third period. Unfortunately, that stat just didn't quite hold up in this one. But the Rangers got some great puck movement early in this third period. Had a couple of scoring chances. Panarin had one or two early scoring chances. And again, Kivlenix just up to the task, makes a save, keeps the Blue Jackets in this game. But then the Rangers had some miscommunication, and they turn the puck over, and Oliver Bjorkstrand takes advantage of it. He snaps a quick shot, and he scores, and just like that, it's one-to-one. And again, just a little bit of a miscue by the Rangers there, and Bjorkstrand made them pay for it. And this is really just a tight defensive game. There's not a lot of room to maneuver out there. And even really, if you look at the two goals that have been scored to this point, uh, you have this one here, which was the direct result of a turnover by the Rangers. And then the other one was Brady Shea coming out of the penalty box when he was all alone with the goalies. So again, both teams very sound defensively. Not a lot of scoring opportunities to be had in this game. And I wanted to mention this play by Greg McKaig with about 6.30 to go. He made an outstanding play back-checking. The Blue Jackets were going in on a two-on-one, and McKaig out of nowhere just comes flying back down the ice, and he reaches out his stick. And right before the shot can be taken by Lilia, McKaig basically just lays out, gets his stick onto Lilia's stick, and prevents the shot, and McKaig just wipes out and crashes into the boards. Just an excellent hustle play there. You know, McKaig, he's a journeyman. He's a fourth liner. There's not really any upside to speak of when you're talking about Greg McKaig, but I will say he does play hard every night. The effort is there. He'll, he'll throw his weight around a little bit. You know, he'll deliver some checks every now and then, but this was an awesome play because this looked like, you know, one of the few dangerous scoring opportunities that was going to be had in this game. The Blue Jackets, of course, moving in on a two-on-one. There weren't a lot of odd man breaks either way, but the Blue Jackets had one here, and this could have been a goal if not for McKaig's hustle, so great job by Greg McKaig on that play. And then we go to the big finish, and of course, Bjorkstrand scores the, the game winner with 26 seconds left, but it's unfortunate because with about two minutes remaining, I really thought the Rangers were kind of buzzing in the Columbus zone. Chris Kreider had a great chance on the doorstep. They got the, the puck to him in deep, and he just couldn't quite get a shot off before it was broken up, and back the other way, and Bjorkstrand goes in pretty much right up the center of the ice, and he just shoots and scores, and just like that, the Blue Jackets up 2-1 to one with 26 and a half seconds to play. I think Bjorkstrand even drew some iron on this shot, so he didn't make it by much, but he made the shot, and just like that, 2-1 to one with 26 seconds left. The Rangers made it a little interesting there at the end. You know, they got the puck into the Columbus zone, and they were moving the puck around, but just couldn't put the puck in the net, and just like that, really, again, just a gut punch loss. Again, this is a very tightly contested defensive game, and the Rangers just come out on the short end of the stick, and... Again, you know, I can't really get that mad at the Rangers. I don't think anybody can really get that mad at the Rangers because, I, again, they played a great game in this. Sometimes you just get beat, and I think that's what happened here. Columbus kind of hung in there. They were back on their heels at times. They kind of bent but didn't break. The Rangers had some, a few opportunities to make the lead 2 to nothing, and they just couldn't quite do it. Again, you got to tip your cap to the goalie a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, again, somebody had to win, somebody had to lose. And it's unfortunate that, you know, this game didn't at least get into overtime because I do like the Rangers' chances with the skill players that they have. They are more suited than a lot of teams, I think, to play that 3-on-3 three -three style. The 3-on-3 three -three is always going to be a little bit of a coin toss. But if you get this game into overtime, you know, if you kill off those last 26 seconds left there and the regulation ends, you go into overtime, you've already got a point and you got a chance to get one more. And, unfortunately, uh, the Rangers fall 26 and a half seconds away from doing that. So... 
It is what it is. It's a tough loss. And now this game against the Islanders on Tuesday takes on that much more significance because you don't want to go into the break. You know, the Rangers had won four out of five coming into this game. So now you don't want to go on to, into the break with two consecutive losses, and it's a, your division rival, and it's a team that you're chasing in the playoff race. Let's get this win on Tuesday and go into the All-Star break feeling good. Get everybody, you know, refreshed and feeling good and come back ready to go. You know, maybe those young legs can work in the Rangers' favor because there's some veteran teams in this league. Maybe they're starting to get beat up a little bit. Maybe the Rangers can kind of make their, their move down the stretch a little bit here. Youth is on their side. So I, I can't imagine too many players on this Ranger team are getting all that tired, and we'll just see how it goes. You know, I, I think it's a big game on Tuesday. Let's knock off our division rival for the third time in eight days and go into the All-Star break feeling good about ourselves, and we'll be back here to talk about that. I think the plan right now, it's looking like we're going to do another crossover episode with Locked on Islanders on Tuesday night, so that will be Wednesday's episode. And as for tomorrow, you know, I'm sure we'll find something to talk about I have an idea what it might be, but I don't want to make any promises just yet, so come back tomorrow and find out, and uh, we'll just take it from there. And like I said, huge, huge game Tuesday night against the Islanders. The Rangers can bounce back here and still go into the break, winners of five of their last seven, and I think you got to take that. But yeah, I mean, again, it's a huge game. I know I keep saying that, but when you're chasing a playoff spot and it's getting into the second half of the season, every game is going to be big, and this game against the Islanders will be no exception. So we'll look forward to another Ranger-Islander matchup. Should be a lot of fun. Should be physical. We'll see if uh, you know guys are willing to drop the gloves again. And like I said, we're going to do the crossover episode with Locked On Islanders. We'll break everything down for you guys. But that'll pretty much do it for today. So once again, guys, thanks for tuning in. If you want to get in touch with the podcast, send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter, at L-O-N-Y Rangers. Again, that is at L-O-N-Y Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.